0: This is the TCP, and I am John Stamp. With me, as always, is Tiger Dog. He's already asleep on the floor, so I'm just going to have to catch him up uh, with what happened tonight when he wakes up. Um, Before we get started, uh, continued uh, wholehearted thanks uh, for all of your support for Brothers Keeper, uh, new on Audible. Um, Alex and Charlie are great, two two of my favorite characters. Um, To answer questions, yes, I have sequel ideas. Uh, no i haven't figured a sequel out yet um i got a couple a couple outlines but i just none of them are really grabby enough to really get to get to you know green light it if i come up with something though good enough story to uh, to justify those two characters and in their dynamic they will be back um but until then i just haven't found something good enough yet That I'm going to dedicate to. So, if something if if something does pop in my head, which it probably will in the shower uh, tomorrow, um, I will let you guys know because that's where all my ideas come from. And I haven't perfected a uh, waterproof uh, notebook yet. So, uh, more I know, the more you'll know. But uh, that's it for Alex and Charlie right now. Uh, Also, uh, if you haven't gotten around to it yet, Wild Blue uh, is offering Blood Red Ivory on sale this week uh, at $2.99. So just tossing that out there um and for tonight tonight i'm going to talk with author david scott uh, david scott born in lincoln nebraska grew up in new in new jersey uh, served 12 years in the military uh big both with the marine corps and uh with the um with the army uh as a blackhawk pilot after the army i uh, went into software development and when that writing. He is a podcast editor. Um, many of you will probably be immediately thinking to yourselves, I need to hire him for some production help. Um, as of uh, right now, he uh, uh, lives in Europe with his wife and two daughters. So tonight we're going to talk about his book, Titan Protocol, which I came across and absolutely loved right from the start. So Dave, thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks so much for having me, John. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Titan Protocol. I, I got to tell you, when I when I grabbed the uh, when I first saw the cover, I was like, "Oh, sci-fi!" I haven't read sci-fi in forever, and I and then I I dig into it. I'm like, "Okay, not sci-fi," um, but I'll tell you, uh, right out of the gate, you know, a book I and that's not a good thing. It's not not good of me, um, but if a book doesn't grab me in ten pages, it's very seldom that I'm coming back to it. Like the yeah. the I know the slow steamy build that's working for all of our Netflix favorite shows is really popular but i'm telling you if there's not explosions or or something crazy happening it's not going to get me and that yeah. uh that opening scene um you guys you just came in hard and it was uh like right from the start i'm reading i'm like yeah i'm gonna like this book so <laughs> so yeah, i appreciate it, a lot of fun yeah and um so basically and i'm not gonna i don't want to give anything away but uh to sum it up you've got uh Kind of three different layers of uh of uh you know different intelligence type groups government freelancers all kind of working the same case and all kind of running together in a very interesting way you tied the book up uh which leads me to a couple other questions um but uh how'd you come up with titan protocol what what happened so
1: as you mentioned i i've got a little bit of a background with software development I absolutely love thriller books. Thriller books are a lot of where it's at for me. I will dabble in sci-fi. I've got my favorite authors in that and high fantasy. I I like that, but thriller books is really where it's at for me. So between that, my background in the military, and then software development, I love emerging technology. And so I took all of this and threw it together, and it was basically a big what-if Like, what if we had artificial intelligence that was controlling, you know, military technology, the artificial intelligence can think faster than us, it can operate faster, it's got a bigger picture of the situation than we do. And what if it's being controlled by somebody that's maybe not as ethical as should be controlling such things. And then you throw in like, a military event of it just goes disastrously wrong and what's going to happen, what's going to happen there. And that's really where the Titan protocol started getting built out of a big, big influence in that though, for me was I read a founder of seal team six, Richard Marcinko wrote a bunch of books, but he introduced me to the concept of a red team. And so I love that idea of being able to like infiltrate buildings, break in for a living. I was surprised to learn like when I did research early on that like this is a real thing that people do corporate penetration testing. And so this was amazing to me. I love the idea of this. And so I said, okay, so who are the kind of people that would do this and then started building it out from there? And what if everything doesn't go according to plan? What if they find something that they're not supposed to find?
0: Yep. And I and actually even that was one of the first notes I took was uh that red cell. I I that's yeah. uh, my my teenage years were spent reading every one of those Marchinko books. Um okay. I actually got to meet him once, which was wow, really cool. Well, really cool for a, like a 17-year-old kid, you know. It was yep. like, oh, yep. authors do exist, they're real, they're just not on the back of a cover, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that red cell thing, what a I mean, that's the best gig ever. Get to play bad guy, you know, yep. and people pay you for it. So mm-hmm. that's um that, that uh, was a, and, and uh, yeah, you know, you're, as you're talking about what, uh, what got you into this, um, you're talking like the overall, what ifs I'm really character driven and uh, I, you know, it's, it's probably a question for later on, but between the, uh, the Naomi and Clark duo, uh, the Peregrine do uh, kind of like team. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got Marissa off on the sides, all relatively yeah. related to each other, but they're all such strong characters um did do you plan it around those characters
1: or those characters just kind of evolve out of the world that you're building so isaac isaac north my main protagonist is I wrote a di- I wrote a first book that will never ever ever see the light of day. It was it was my first learning experience, but I wrote him as a forensic accountant and I was exploring with like my writing and my voice and I got a lot of feedback that initially it hurt my feelings pretty bad because I thought that I was a great writer and then I got I got a good reality check about that. And so then I kept Isaac. I loved the idea of who he was, what he was, and started writing that. But actually, you mentioned Marissa. And Marissa was an incidental character. She was a character that was going to be a one-off character that come in to do the termination, to do a termination of somebody that needed to be gone in the book. And then it was just that was going to be the end of it but then i got in started writing her and she she basically took over and started doing whatever she wanted and then like it evolved and she's the character that i get like the most feedback from of like people really they really like her and she's a lot of fun to write
0: yeah and she uh jumped off the page like she wasn't yeah. overly dramatically written she was just just uh i mean dynamic and uh, and and uh, Marissa is a uh, a freelancer i guess it's polite way to refer yeah. to her side side hustle um, but um yeah it's funny how characters do that though that's and i've probably said it on here before but it's it's uh, amazing the amount of people that I talk to. They're just like, "Yeah, I had this whole plan," and then my characters are like, "Nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to go this way." Yeah. You, can, you can try exactly. to keep, try to keep up, and we'll see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> and the people are like, "You're nuts! I don't see how many voices you got crawling around your head." But it's mm-hmm. the characters just evolved with the story, and they're like, "I'm not doing it this way. I'm going to go this way." That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but yeah, as I'm reading it, like this roster that you've gotten built here and the world, you've kind of built. Around it, I guess, um like the plan. I was as I got probably seventy five percent through the book. I'm like, all right, what's the plan for all these people? Like, because it, it's it's kind of as a an- another note I put. It was like you were kind of taking Chavez and Clark from Tom Clancy's books, mm-hmm. Jack ryan's thrown into them too, and then also thinking, uh, you know who else I need? Mitch rap So I'm going to go over here. I'm going to grab yeah. Vince Flynn's Mitch Rapp, throw them all together, and see what happens. Is that's how these characters jump. And I'm wondering, like, are you planning one-offs with these people or, or like, cause each one of these sets could probably run their own series. I, I, that was my impression.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually finishing up. It's, it'll be the end of this week that we're recording that book two, it's called the Eden initiative. It's going to be going to the editor. And so that should be out in, I'm hoping that it'll be out in April but possibly may that's, but it's probably April that it'll be out. I've got that. And then, so you're going to see a lot of, a lot of the same characters. It's going to be a continuation of the Titan protocol. So there are a few unanswered questions that are going on. And then, and then I get a lot of feedback about the very ending. And so that's going to answer some questions that are there and it's going to continue down there. But I am planning the series and we've got, I've got a good arc of where this series is going, but book three that I'm brainstorming right now is actually going to be, I'm looking at it being a prequel and it's going to explore. There's an organization that's mentioned a number of times in the Titan protocol called project Olympus. And it was, I guess the polite way to say it was, it was an, It was a wet work project by the CIA to terminate undesirable problems. And so it's, but this program no longer exists. And so that's how a number of our characters are out and running around in the wild. And so it's going to explore the events that took place and how it led to the fall of Project Olympus.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that. Every time that came up with those characters that were involved in it, I'm like, man, that's that's another one. Like, that's just. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it's funny. I'm I got to do this as delicately as possible, but when I got to the end, I'm like, seeing and it's it's the little ticker at the bottom of my Kindle that I'm like, yep. they're running out of space here. And this is a very interesting dynamic. I'm like, this is this is going to get really ugly for some people that I've really come to enjoy reading about. So I'm like <laughs> the whole time, I'm like, man, what is this guy doing? And then then you just kind of it, it was like you were me teeing off playing golf because my plan is for it to go dead straight to the hole. And it always ends up arcing someplace north yeah. or south. And it just doesn't it. You took it and you hit a slice. That would be one for the ages. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, I I, I didn't see it. I, I really didn't. So it was a it was a very, very satisfying ending, Um, which also, good. you know, Thank I'm you. planning on talking to you the whole time. So I'm taking these notes and and I got to the end. I was like, whoo I was like, nice. This is a good setup. But so, yeah, it was yeah. a man. What a that was an introductory book for those characters. It was it was a great stage you set. And I didn't see it coming. and i'm I'm never surprised. So thank you, yeah, yeah. so um as we're looking at these guys, you've mentioned um, the the uh, you know the what if and uh, and I've talked to to people that that they're either you know, just running with it, like they just get an uh, one idea or a scene in their head, and they just wipe out a whole book somehow, or there's people that will map out every scene what's what's your well I guess first how did you get the writing bug and what is your process how did you actually put that first novel together
1: it, yeah so I have been a reader since since first grade um, as soon as as soon as I could start reading I discovered I discovered I grew up in a really small town in upstate New York um, when I was when I was younger and we had a library that was right across the street. So I was like six, seven, eight, and I was going across and I discovered like the Hardy boys, Nancy Drew, and like all of those detective type things. And I started like blowing through the bookshelves. And in fact, it was probably three months and I cleared the library of everything that they had. And I started, I started asking the librarian to order stuff. And then the librarian, finally, she got so tired of like putting in requests for me that she showed me like back in the day, how to use that computer to order books from other libraries so that I wouldn't keep pestering her. So I've always loved that. I've loved the thrillers. I I was that kid that ran around on like imaginary, like secret missions and stuff like that. So imagination has always been going like that. My career in the military really, it, it gave me a lot of the technical knowledge to know what to do with, those ideas and then i would hear these books so i i love audiobooks and so i would hear these stories and i would think you know what i want to make i want to make one of these like i would really like to produce one of these stories because i have these crazy things like running around in my head and my imagination will just run off and so the first book that i tried to write, the titan protocol i started out and i started what most people would know as being like a panster style and so I just started writing things and going with it. And that was leading to so many revisions and so many headaches that I started trying to outline. And I found as soon as I outlined and I I kind of knew where the story was going, that I wrote better and that that things worked a lot better for me. Now, I can outline something and then I'll get in the scene and the character will do whatever it wants. And that's how like the dialogue will roll with me. And so there are a lot of like the scenes where I'll get in and it'll seem like it's a rabbit trail. Well, it, it probably is a rabbit trail because people don't like in real life, people don't just stick to a script. They don't just say the things that we need them to say just to check that box. People really rabbit trail. And so I just kind of follow the characters and see what they're doing. And that's kind of my process now. And so this, second book the eden initiative that i wrote i outlined that entire thing i knew the entire arc i knew where everything was going i knew all the characters that needed to go in there and then started outlining chapters and i was a lot happier with the product that came out and so like i'm i'm super glad that everybody has enjoyed the titan protocol i'm of the belief that the eden initiative is a much better and like as authors we should be improving it's a much better improved book than the Titan protocol.
0: Yeah. You just hope every single one you you've come up with yeah. some kind of evolution, whether it's uh, in mm-hmm. style or, you know, just the wordsmithing that there's improvement. Yeah. And it's, uh, Absolutely. it's, that's a, uh, that's interesting. When I, I didn't, I wasn't able to put my first manuscript together until I was 36. And, uh, but I had notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks full and it, and, you know, in my teens or my twenties, I'd be in college. I would just start going and run into a brick wall and it'd be, that'd be it, you know, and then yeah. get another idea, run into a brick wall. When I started sketching, um, sketching out, I could keep myself on point. It, it just organized. It just kept my, the way my mind works is having that ops plan, I guess, all the way through. Yep. So that's, uh, that's what finally got me, got me, I guess, disciplined enough to to do it. But yeah, there's uh the people that can just sit down and just say I wonder what this would be like and bang out a hundred thousand words just on a yeah. on a small idea blog. they had. I can't do it. I just no. I hand it off to them. There, they that's a that's a level of creativity I just don't have. <laughs> that's um yeah. but uh yeah, the um so that's a uh, that's and then so you just when you started writing it was just uh, just an outgrowth of the of that just reader obsession. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah I, I still remember the library we had, and I was an upstate New York kid too. Where, where in upstate New York you come from?
1: So, the town, the, the little, the actual name of the town was called Clayville, but it was right next to Utica, New York, and so it was a very, like, very like depressed now area, like economically, like there's, there's not really anything going on there. But we grew up. Little tiny town. The library was like a former former small town church that the it still had the stained glass windows and all of that stuff. And so, we'd be going be going in there and grabbing all the books.
0: Yeah, I came from uh, the Finger Lakes, so it was about three hours. Okay towards Syracuse yep. from you yeah just uh just uh, not quite as cold in the wintertime as where you were but, but uh mm. yeah I can still remember the smell of the library in that in that tiny little town Waterloo I grew up in yep. and in and the, and the way the I can still hear the the way the floorboards creak I uh I love mm-hmm. running around those places it was like uh it was like being in a treasure chest you know yeah but uh yeah that's uh that's funny I guess uh, kind of the same way for me I just um got into when I got into reading I guess the adult level books um like I got into the Clancy's and the Flyn's and the Crichton's yep I was like yeah like how do you how do you do this like I, I want to do this like this would be you know I got the same crazy ideas running around my head how do I put yeah. this down and it only took me about 20 years to figure out how to do it so
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so well, I've I've got to say though like whatever you did like it worked because I couple few days ago maybe a week ago I finished spoilers like thoroughly enjoyed thoroughly enjoyed the book did it on audiobook and it was just like I really enjoyed the story process like the authenticity that you brought to that book I'm listening through and just the different terminologies and the things that you're using and it just screams this author knows what he's talking about. Like there's real life experience, like backing this up. This is not just like somebody that went online and started like doing a Wikipedia of like, Hey, like what is a submachine gun look like? What is, you know, what is an M4 look like and stuff like that. So yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. And so thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate it, man. That's, um, That's
0: a, that is the goal is just making sure that people believe it, you know? And, um, but it's funny, you mentioned Marissa being a one-off character and, Mm -hmm. um, for me, um, all the women in that, in that book that just ran the story, um, that wasn't the plan like Poppy, um, Poppy and Bianca.
1: And now I was mad. I was mad at you like for, for the end of that. Yeah. People get pretty pissed about that. I thought, I thought that there was going to be, if you guys haven't listened to or read the book, you need to, you need to go read it. I'm not going to spoil it for you on here, but yeah, I was pretty mad about, I, I thought that there was going to be a turnaround or, you know, something that was going to come in, in the last minute. And I was like, okay, so that is the way that real life works, but I still hate it.
0: Yeah, there's one, yeah, that's a, that, I, I take grief over that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but uh, oh, I
0: can't i the top of my head. I can't think of that the girl's name, the uh, rookie cop, the the rookie mm-hmm. that's uh, just taking shit from her squad and and having that crisis of uh, of conscience, you know, she yep. did not exist until I finished my first draft. And during that last uh, you know chess match, I got going on in the middle of that intersection. I ran out of pieces. Like my side of the Mm -hmm. chessboard, I ran out of guys, like I missed a Rook or something. So to save the character that I had plans for, I had to go back in and write her story. It was about 15,000 words I had to add, just so I could, I could uh, have her checkmate somebody in a a glorious and violent fashion. Um, But yeah, it's a, those, those characters, um, especially poppy and bianca they just took off on the page and and that's where the the sequel to spoilers came from was that um i i like bianca so much i had to write her again she's just joker joker level crazy you know so yeah but uh, i appreciate the compliment thank you very much absolutely so um you uh i noticed that that you went uh independent publisher Yeah, Uh, the Titan. Is that uh, you just you also mentioned earlier that first manuscript that uh, that uh, was kind of a gut check. Was that uh, just one of those things? I'm going to do this my way because everything exists today for me to do it that way or.
1: No, so I've like it was a big dream. And I mean, I would still like to do it, but it was a big dream of mine to be like traditionally published. And the first manuscript, it. I sent it out, like queried, queried people, and then sought feedback. And the feedback that I got, like there was a number of the feedback. It was, like I said, it was a gut check of like, my belief when, when writing is that when you're reading, you shouldn't know who I am as the author. When, so if I have a French woman that's speaking. You should believe that who is speaking is a French woman. Or if you have a black man, it should be a black man that is speaking. You should not hear the voice, like the white male voice, coming through each thing. And so, like, I that that was one of the things that one of the feedback that actually hit me the hardest was you write this, and this entire thing sounds like a white male writing it and at first i got mad cuz i'm like well i am a white male like i am a white male and i'm writing this but then like i started well i i did a lot of learning about how you actually write and how you craft stories give characters their voices and i realized that i was inserting myself into everything and basically the only thing that was changing was the name on on david speaking and so it took a little while for me to process this and and to think that no when marissa is on the page it needs to be marissa speaking it needs to be marissa thinking it needs to be naomi it needs to be Isaac like they are they all who are they and so that was a big learning curve for me
0: huh. but and, uh so you want so you adjusted to that feedback is that did you go back and and.
1: Yeah, I did. But then when I wrote the Titan Protocol, I queried, I, I I, sent this manuscript out so many times. And the thing that I kept getting back was, hey, like, we really like what you got going on, like this, like your story, but we're not going to take it. And a big reason, and I would be straightforward with anybody, like with the Titan Protocol, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I am not, this is not anything new. This is not anything that's exciting. It, for me, I wanted to make a good story. I wanted to make a fun story that was engaging to read, that it was an enjoyable read, but I'm not trying to revolutionize the literary world. I'm not trying to do any of that. And it seemed like a lot of the literary agents that I connected with at the time, that's what they were looking for, is they were looking for that new whatever it is, the new Fifty Shades of Grey, the new... um, you know, where the, where the crawdads sing, Um, just all of, all of this stuff. And like, I just came to the real realization that that wasn't me. Like, and so I did a lot of research into like, what's the best way to put this out to get it out. And I mean, it's, it's been a process like building my author platform, making connections with people and, and really building things from the ground up.
0: I'll tell you, it's interesting you say that because like I said, um, a book's got 10 pages to get me. And if it doesn't, if it's not crisp yeah. and it, it doesn't have a crack on that page, I'm gone. So yeah, I mean, you could probably say that within the scope of thrillers, um, you, you know, all those pieces are, are, are relatively known, but the way the dynamic in which you played all those off of each other, and I'll tell you, um, straight up, uh, some of your, uh, the uh little bits of humor that you're able to sprinkle in here and there. Yeah. The, just the dynamics, especially between like the peregrine group. Like you could mm-hmm. tell that you could like you said with with uh spoilers having that authenticity of, of the culture and the nomenclature and the tactics. Sure. Um with especially between Derek, Isaac, and to some degree Mike. Um, mm-hmm. knowing what it's, what it's like sitting, I guess, I guess I, I'm not sure the nomenclature for a pilot, but sitting in a briefing room or on your 18th hour in a surveillance yeah. van or, you know, yeah. that, uh, that embracing of the suck that, that, uh, mm-hmm. people in the service life do and their discussions and in their little bickering back and forth with each other, you could see that, like, you could see when you're on your like third day of, of not sleeping more than three hours and how they're talking to each other is that that yeah. authenticity of voice was there so i mean it. i mean there's millions of thrillers put out every year but that I'll, that's all you you yours caught me so it's there was a dynamic well, to it that um that was different than a lot of stuff i read so it's uh it's a weird industry man it, it's a it and, is and it's interesting uh i mean today like you said as long as you get come up with a good plan to build your brand you come up, you you dedicate to the marketing, and um, and you make sure that that you're not falling into that trap of you know this author's an island and not getting other eyes on the manuscript. You can do it all yourself because all you gotta do is build it. And, you know that's yeah. uh, you you build it, uh, make sure it goes through the review process, get a good cover artist and an editor, and then spend time on social media pushing it. That's you don't. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I would always I would love to have like the back cover photo like Clancy when he's like dressed in a flight suit and looking really, really yeah. cool. I don't know if that exists anymore, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just uh, I was just wondering, yeah, because it is a different it's a different life making going into that self-publishing route. You control everything um, like uh, for Blood Ride Ivory. I uh, they changed the title on me, which was a good move because I suck at making titles. But yeah. it was that first time where a publisher was like, "Yeah, good idea," but no, and, and it uh-huh. turned out they were right. But um, but yeah, and I, I liked having the publisher to, to learn process a little bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're, it's 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 all in finding those experts, and you become your own little business. So that's a yeah. that's a challenge. It's a it's a bold move um, that 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 people do, and it, it works nowadays. It works. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. I just wanted to ask you what you thought of that that taking that route. Yeah,
1: it's, it's definitely a challenge. And I mean, a lot of people like to put it up there as, oh, yeah, you control the entire creative process, you do all of this. Well, I mean, sure, you can, you can look at it like that. But I mean, on the flip side, you control the entire creative process. <laughs> exactly. And and you have to make all the decisions. I'm like, decision fatigue is a real thing. And so like, <laughs> the cover, the cover designer, like, I wish I wish that my life were like, mark Greeny or brad taylor where like i'm surprised by the cover that comes out like in just like these epic covers one after another but i have to i have to engage with the cover designer and i have to like get on him sometimes like come on bro like hurry up like we've got a deadline here i need to do this and like coordinating with the editors and making sure that my reader my beta readers are doing what they need to be doing and so like it is controlling the creative process, but like at the same time, it's exhausting.
0: Yeah. Especially, uh, I found I've, i my, my cover guy is awesome. Jeff Hayes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, just, uh, with as talented as he is making, conveying your vision to mm-hmm. the artist, because I don't have the talent to do mine. Mine would look like dire of a wimpy, wimpy kid. You know, if I tried to make <laughs> cover, it'd, uh, it'd be bad.
1: Yes. Um,
0: and that guy's a master and it's like yeah but here's what I was thinking and and then he comes back and you don't want him to get frustrated because they see something different hmm. it's a it's an interesting process uh work having yeah. trying to communicate vision to different artists especially but uh He's he's nailed it for me. And I and I really enjoyed the the cover that you've got for Titan Protocol. Like I said, it, it gave me like a uh sci-fi vibe at the beginning. And then yeah. I, I started going in that that first fight, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm gonna read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um the uh that that led me to another thing, I guess. <clears throat> Knowing uh that your uh, background in uh software, I guess maybe it wasn't the same, but I but I'm always interested in and in, in listening and learning about uh, the research that went into uh, to doing a book. But I guess you've got a background related to AI, so maybe you didn't have to spend hours on a on a computer reading like academic journals. I don't know how'd you go about nailing down the AI for uh, for Titan. So
1: the yes, yes, background in software development. It's it's not related to artificial intelligence though, and it's It's a lot more like boring and mundane stuff that nobody nobody wants or needs to hear. But um it's a lot of it's a lot of coding and stuff. but i I read a lot about artificial intelligence, about what their capabilities are, what their limitations are because a lot of a lot of movies, a lot of books like to paint them as this omniscient thing that's just like categorically all powerful. And, but the the thing is, is they have like a very real limitations. They have very real problems. I mean, just recently, I don't know if you, if you saw, there was an article that DARPA was testing this robot that had AI and it was, they were training it to look for people. Well, these Marines that were training with it, they defeated its person recognition. One of them by sticking a cardboard box over themselves and (laughs) moving and like touching the robot. And and so. Like you and I can sit there and laugh about it and be like, that's stupid. But the information that that AI was fed was how to recognize a person. And so it didn't have that entire silhouette. And so it doesn't have all of that. But it was a lot of reading, a lot of research into like what their limitations are and stuff like that. And honestly, some of it was just like made up because it's for me, where I find is that I want to be able to convince somebody who has like a reasonable knowledge. So like if I was writing a police thriller, I would want to be, con- be able to convince you that, yeah, that could probably happen. I don't need to nail it. Like absolutely. Like I am 157% on the details. I just need to put into your brain that, Oh yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening. And, yep. um, and from that point, I consider that standard, but. I mean, I love research though, so I get yeah. lost down in the weeds of that. Yeah, I do too. I'll go down rabbit holes, and it'll be like, mm-hmm. we'll see you, yeah. we'll see you, we'll see and see
0: around. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, especially the um, the I experimented with like a dark fantasy, which made me I had to research like some demons and witchcraft and all that stuff. And it's like, man, you start down that path, and it's like this is dark.
1: <laughs> That'll change your <laughs> browser. Stuff. I'm gonna need to.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, for the. For the, my my newest one, uh, my follow up to uh, Blood Red Ivory, I was uh, and you'll probably appreciate this, but I'm I'm working through one day and I'm and I'm kind of I'll write and then I don't want to get stuck in research, so I won't stop writing to fall back in research. and I don't want to lose the momentum. I go back and I start flushing things out, and in one day I had searched a schematic for a littoral class combat ship. I had studied I'd studied, uh, studied uh, shoulder mounted um, rockets uh Chinese explosives um yeah and I, and I just go and I get done and it was about 45 minutes I get done I was and it just occurred to me I'm like who I went. I just I went back to my browser history I was like man if that doesn't get me on a list I don't know who will <laughs> oh I guarantee was, I'm on a watch dark.
1: list somewhere <laughs> yeah I'm on a watch list somewhere because like I've got stuff like how long does it take for a weighted body to sink and <laughs> yeah, um can can you still use fingerprints like on a macbook computer like how long is it until you can use fingerprints like when does rigamortis set in when does like all of this stuff and i'm like i'm on a list somewhere yeah you right, i'm uh, all right with that
0: my, my browser history is the same as a dude who took out the idaho four that's not good <laughs> yeah it's all for fiction yeah. i swear <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man but uh you know overall i uh yeah it's, uh, i'm looking forward to uh, eden's Eden's the Eden initiative the Eden initiative yeah I just I like that team of characters you put together I mean that was that's uh they're fun to read and even though they're an opposing I don't know I guess that I would consider them more like a swirling uh group of pinballs at this point I like don't know I don't know what's, yeah I don't know what's coming <laughs> next <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be quite as peaceful as Eden but uh there's some feisty uh feisty characters in there so I'm I'm really looking forward to it but um well I got you um with uh you know the the veterans and first responders yeah. i like getting your take on on things because i i feel like there's a lot that that community can offer the wider community um so i just have a couple of questions you start out as a marine and then just and then we're like you know what, i want to fly a helicopter what how does uh how do you go from that like what and well to start what was it that
1: you were like you know what, i'm gonna go join the marines so i was 17 or 18. And initially I was gonna join the army. I was gonna join the army. I was gonna special forces, you know. Everybody knows that they're gonna be able to do stuff. Well, the sad fact was that like the army recruiter wasn't ignoring me. Like he never showed up to where he was supposed to be. He never did any of this stuff. And so, like the marine recruiter was like constantly bugging me. He was like all up in my workplace and he was like, Dave, you gotta come on over here, like come on down. And so finally, like, I just, I gave in and I was like, you know what, like, what is this? And so I told him, I was like, if I go in, I want to go in infantry. And so I went in infantry and it wasn't, it wasn't as great as what I thought it was going to be. And it didn't pan out every, it was a lot of like carrying heavy stuff around and less than optimal conditions of living. And yeah. so, <laughs> and so I got out, like I was completely burnt out. I was done I was done with it. It was a meat grinder. And I was done with it. I'm like, I'm done with the military, all of this stuff, get out. I do a little stint with the Internal Revenue Service. And it was just, I did clerical work for them and stuff like that. But I got tired of like living in that office environment because the office environment, they, they were a bunch of babies, like a bunch of whining babies. And it was, it was, John, it was something stupid. Like, I asked one of them, like, why haven't you done like these reports yet? Well, I can't do the report. I can't print it. Like, what do you mean you can't print the report? Like, is it a software issue? What's going on? Well, see right here, I can't print it. Well, they can't print it because there's no paper in the printer. And I'm like, why don't you just put some paper in the printer? There's literally a palette, like filled with reams and reams of paper sitting right next to the printer. Like, why don't you do that? It's not my job. Not my job. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that that's not your job? No. Like six or seven examiners were sitting there, like not printing reports, not doing anything because it wasn't their job to change paper. And I'm like, you know what? I'm out. And so I started looking for stuff, but my criteria, I didn't. I didn't want to carry heavy stuff around anymore. I didn't want my life to be terrible. I didn't want to be cold. Like field exercises were horrible. And so I was like, okay, so what's the furthest thing away from doing all of that terrible stuff? I know what it is. Helicopters, aviation. This will be great. I'm way up here now. I can't even see the ground. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so initially i was looking at becoming like a mechanic i thought it was just a door gunner i thought door gunners were a position so i was just going to fly around and rock out in a door gun and that was going to be great well it turns out that that's not that's a very small part of their job and they're actually mechanics that and they're like some of the greatest guys in aviation like i love my crew chiefs like they made my life so much better but then i was looking at being a pilot and so as is typical when i got out of the marines I didn't work out like I did when I was in the Marines. And so, like, I put on a bunch of weight and all that. So, I walk into the Army recruiter, tell him that I want to be a helicopter pilot, which is like one of the hardest, like, entry things to do. Yeah. And he looks at me like, there I am, tons of fun. And he's like, okay, buddy, sure <laughs> you are. And but I mean, sure enough, like I started working out again, I started dropping the weight, started doing all of this. And through that, and like a series of lapses in judgment by people who should have known better, they let me into flight school. And then from flight school, I managed to, I was driving in flight school, it was in Fort Rucker, Alabama. And I was driving over this hill one day, and I came up and I saw this Black Hawk hovering above, above the field. And I kid you not, it was like the first time in my life when I fell in love with a machine. People talk about like cars and about trucks and stuff like that. I fell in love with the machine. I was like, that thing is gorgeous. I want to fly it. Like, that's my, that's me. And yeah. so that was my goal throughout flight school is I wanted to fly Blackhawks. And I was fortunate enough, I ended up getting to fly Blackhawks. I did that for seven years, but it was just, it was an incredible It was incredible. And what I realized about me was it wasn't that I wasn't suited for the military. It was I wasn't suited for the job I was initially in because I was a very analytical, very think about second and third order effects. I've got very strong attention to detail, detail stuff. And so, like, I will get down into the weeds on stuff. And it turns out that being an army warrant officer, that's exactly what you do is you get a long leash. but the downside of having a lot of rope is that you get hung really quick if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And so that was just, it was the best job that I ever had. And it was amazing. And yeah, I really love that. That's awesome.
0: That's, that's cool. I, uh, yeah, t- t- if I, you know, I, I still love watching these helicopters and um, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I think it's because of the restaurants on my island, but uh, a whole lot of training hours get spent flying onto to my little my little dot of an airport here. So I've I've yeah. got my uh, I've got uh, what's Fountain, the restaurant uh, situation? Uh, really good, well known barbecue. Uh, like I've uh, been on Triple D a couple
1: times, Southern Soul barbecue, uh-huh. some decent seafood. Um, That's probably why. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's uh, that was a lot of like for us when we go on training flights it would be like, so we've got to burn, we've got to burn the gas, we got to burn the hours anyway. And so like, okay, where can we go? Where can we fly to? Because I need to eat. And so I'm going to fly down what's the restaurant situation and fly down to a little podunk airport and, and land there and yeah, go, go chat with the locals, find out what's good and yep, go eat. That's-
0: at least a couple times a week, it's uh, it's yeah. uh, and they, my the kids love them. Like I've I've always had them just keeping an eye on those. You know, just pointing them. Yeah. Out, hey, you know, you could you could fly one of those someday. You know, but yeah. uh, and it's we're right in between uh, Mayport and Jacksonville and Hunter up in Savannah. So okay. they're, yep. they're always flying over. It's uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, that's pretty awesome. Well, um, like I ask uh, everybody, so advice. If, if there's a 17 18 year old right now uh trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives and they're walking by the recruiter's office what's your advice for them
1: so my my question for them is going to be what do you want to do after the military because whether it's 4 years whether it's 35 years whether you know whether you're general mattis and you're rocking out for 172 years, like the military is going to end at some point, that ride is going to end at some point in time. And so what do you want to do afterwards? And so use the military, the military is an incredible community. It's an incredible network, like use the military to set yourself up, because you can do that 20 years. And then you've got a paycheck, and you've got a freedom to at least try, you've got a little bit of a safety net to at least try something else. And like, that's, that's one of the things that enables me to be, to be an author and to try my hand at, at doing a lot of this stuff is that I've got that safety net of a paycheck that's coming in and yeah, what do you want to be, what do you want to do afterwards? And so then after you figure out what you want to do afterwards, (coughs) excuse me. After you figure out what you want to do afterwards and you think about that course, then have fun with it. It's it's, so many people get caught up with the like, I want to chase rank, I want to be, I want to be like, I want to make sergeant in two years, I want to like, I want to be the sergeant major of the Marine Corps within 10 years, like, I'm going to be amazing. It's like, live your life, build your connections, and go the places that you want to go because. The military is going to be there after you're gone. You you are 100 expendable, and that's I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just Facilize. realize that. Just realize I'm sure it's like that in the police departments, the FBI, all of that stuff. That big machine, it, despite what it says on on our evaluation reports, like I do not in fact lasso the sun and bring it up every morning. Like that machine is going to keep rolling when. The day that I left my last unit, I didn't get a phone call from them being like, hey, Dave, like, how do I do this? Like, I need to, like, nobody called me up for like my expert pilot advice. Like, they just kept right on rocking. And I mean, it's been a few years now, but nobody's called me up. Nobody's called me back and said, hey, like, you are mission critical 100%. You need to get in here. Like, I mean, I'm sure that there's somebody out there that's like, we see enough movies about these guys that are like <laughs> "Yeah, the president of the United States is like, you're the only guy that can complete this. Oh, we got that's That's <laughs> not me. I'm not that you're guy. You're not going to get the Rambo call. You know? No, I'm not. <laughs> the red phone on the oval office doesn't go to my number. I, I always hope it does, but I've never
0: gotten a call from the president in my life. So it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but the, that would
1: be my advice.
0: Yeah, and uh, and that's a funny thing. It's it's uh when you're 17, 18, 20 years old, the idea of retiring before you're 40 means nothing yep. to you. But yep. it's such a huge advantage for like all the, the guys I work with now that just have that sitting on their belt and getting you get a check for waking up every day. Uh, you know, and yep. it's 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 so, like you say, it's such a benefit. But I always I it's and it's funny you mentioned that the IRS and and I'm not banging on any given government agency. Yeah. But um me and a buddy of mine have a I've I've been trying he's got a great thesis on what cubicles do to culture. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. and it's just uh it's it's you know from it's nothing and investigations good. and seeing just the 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 peccadillos that can come out of people who bury their identity too much at work. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's, it's funny. It's funny. You mentioned that like seven people who can't do their job because they think they're too good to fill a printer, you know? Yeah. But it, as you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I've seen that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, I think that, I mean, all of that is great advice. And I think, um, I, I don't know if there's a big enough voice on, uh, the importance of, of what a benefit it can be to, to have a, have that service in your background, uh, for, uh, uh, people out there today. So now I, I appreciate your take on that. Yeah. And, uh, and I know it's, uh, I've had you about an hour and it's, uh, and it's, I don't know how late it is where you are, but I appreciate nah, you it. that doesn't the even matter. <laughs> um, before, uh, before we go, uh, socials, um, I, I know I've, I'm with you on uh, IG and Twitter. Um, yeah, we're, you got a site.
1: So I'm, I'm not really active on Twitter. Like I think I had logged on there like once in the past six months, like, that like that there are so many people out there that at what is 160 characters like they'll completely torch me in that in that 160 like i can't i can't enter a discussion and argument so many people so much smarter and faster off the take than i am like i'd rather be on instagram like looking at looking at the pictures and like stuff so i'm on instagram at david scott books and then i'm on facebook also david scott books and then Apparently there's, there's about a dozen David Scott authors. And so I had to take the .dot net, And so I'm at davidscottbooks.net nice. on
0: the website. Awesome. Well, like I said, I appreciate you joining me tonight. And um, when the Eden initiative comes out, if you need a beta reader or something, hit me up. I'm, I'm down. I really like, I really like the team that you've built in that book. So uh, Dave, Scott, thanks for joining me. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to May when that, when that new book comes out.
1: Thanks so much for having me, John. Absolutely.